fresh? Yeah. Let's start. Bill, you're in charge, I guess. <clears throat> Folks, here we are, episode 11, Lost on the River 11. podcast. 11. Uh, Lost on the River, Herzog Radio coming to you out of the historic 11 Herzog studio space, uh, uh, brought to you, uh, of course, by uh, many of our partners here, to, of course, in conjunction with the Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. Uh, Aaron Sharp is not with us this week, but we always do a stellar job in his absence, and I'm sure this week, uh, this week's episode will be no exception uh, whatsoever. We do still have, to my right, my trusty, uh, very good friend, Elias Lysring. Hello. Yeah, we've got our producer, Matt Spaulding. I got a microphone. Uh, yeah, that's right. We had an extra microphone this week. That's Bill Furby. That's me. That's uh, my voice that you're listening to. And uh, actually, also not with us this week, Clint Stevenson, uh, engineer, uh, very, very busy man. But, uh, th- you know, these are the things that we work through to still bring this program to you. Where Some, is, uh, sometimes you got to just roll your sleeves up. That's right. Where's Aaron? Uh, I believe he had a... Uh, bowling? Uh, was it bowling league? Bowling night? Yeah. They moved that? They got I, rained out. That's right. I think it was uh, one of his children had a sporting event. No, no. Music uh, recital. It's, mu- it's music related. It was legit. That's fine. It was legit. It's like a it's well, schedule we'll thing. Then. Is, it, he, is this the one that plays drums? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's Elias' son you're thinking of. He he doesn't play like you know. I think Aaron talks about his son playing. Yeah, drums. no, yeah, oh, that's he right, has, he does. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, uh, who's on the show tonight, joined, Bill? Joining us, joining us for this uh, this week's episode, we have uh, Chuck Bird and Betsy Young from the Jockey Club. Uh, Going to discuss a little bit of that history for those that may not be familiar with the significance of of all that the Jockey Club brought to our region in the '80s, and uh, uh, also to discuss some memorial events coming up. Here this next weekend, I believe, uh, and, uh, and and then uh, also this this episode we have Dan Phillips, aka Zapruder Point, a uh, recent transplant to Cincinnati from Chicago, singer songwriter, uh, some great stuff he's he's been working on, and he's uh, just diving into the local scene. So we, we've got quite a, a show ahead of us. Excellent, I'd say so. Well, let's get with it then, or do we have things to talk about first? Oh, everybody just looked at me in yeah. terms of... Well, you're the one that talks talk all the time. You so. like to talk. Yeah. What, what did you want to talk about, Matt? Let's talk about... You You're, You got the big mic uh, tonight. I have, a, I have a microphone. You're uh, like, you got both hands going. Let's, Matt, yeah, does, Matt doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, my, yeah. um, I don't know. We got Bunberries coming up and... Uh, Bunberry. You know, all the, all the kids are excited about the, the rock and roll music at the Bunberry. I heard that Inhaler's going to give away a couple of uh, Bunberry tickets. That's good. Well, as they should. That's pretty to exciting. Us? Well, they're going to give them away on air. You might be able to uh, win. I don't know if yeah, we can do that. Can we win a eligible. thing like that? I don't think we're eligible. Well. They're going to give away some, so that's exciting. And um, Speaking of Bunbury, there's also going to be one, one of many beer tents set up for Bunbury, uh, the proceeds of which will go entirely toward uh, the tips. I should say the tip jar proceeds will go entirely toward the Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. Maybe that's where Aaron's at. He's down there scouting out a good location for our beer tap tent. Mm-hmm. So we get Mm-hmm. All the tips. That would be nice. That would be. Maybe uh, we will be able to serve Jack White. Jack hey. White. Jack White will be in town for Bunbury, won't he? Hey, uh, maybe he could come to Herzog Studios and and check out Herzog and 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 the record store. Well, 
would be more than happy to welcome that visitor. We uh, make it an official invitation. He likes the country music. He'd be interested to see the history and the. Well, not just that, but you know everything that that King Records stood for. You know the civil rights legacy and, and all of that stuff as well. Uh, uh, Jack White recently had a photo shoot for a European music magazine, uh, sporting a King Records shirt. Uh, in that photo shoot that uh, I believe uh, someone that, that we have around here uh, had, had gotten that shirt to him, I believe. So that's some cool stuff to have that connection. Of course, uh, with uh, a Jack White with a King Records shirt, is that what you're saying? That's correct. That's I it. also think All he right. didn't he not buy the one of the lathes? Uh, from... Third Man is using the record-cutting lathe from King Records. Yeah. So. How did, wow. Also, and... Since we're talking about Third Man Records, I did see Johnny Walker picking up All Seeing Eyes LPs from the yeah. Third Man production in Detroit, I guess. I saw that too. All, All Seeing Eyes, of course, doing our, our theme music here for the Lost on the River podcast. And that was an inadvertent tie-in. Wow. An accidental tie-in, they call wow. that. Wow, we're smoking. We are. There's like see, we don't need Aaron. <laughs> There's a whole infrastructure out there of stuff that we're just weaving our little way into. Wow. Yeah. Wow, how about that? When other artists, when they come to town... Do do frequently come by. I remember uh, not, it happens. Not, yeah, within I mean just just since this the store has opened up downstairs, we had you know, Cheap Trick, uh, Steve Earle, Marty Stewart, uh, members of the Wallflowers, various various other folks. Pokey, Pokey, Pokey Lafarge, yeah. Come by so. and check out some Cincinnati history. He's going to be back, isn't he? He's he is. Back. That was just announced, wasn't mm-hmm. it? We're uh, iTunes. Oh, well, there's also we are that. on iTunes now, right? We can officially promote that we have uh, Lost in the River. It's available on iTunes. Subscribe. Subscribe to can do that on iTunes. Google Play. Is it free, or do we get anything from people it's listening to it? $1 million. Excellent. Okay. We get nothing, uh, except the accolades of all of the... I've never had a subs- of subscription to a podcast. It's really easy, Elias. Well, um, I subscribed to this one to, we'll see, to flub the numbers. Yeah. Fun, fun fact, I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> fun fact, Billy doesn't know what I listen do. to this one before it goes live, and that's it. Um, yeah, so Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. You'll find, uh, go there, search Lost in the River, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Elias, do you have anything you want to uh, plug your bands? No, I definitely don't want to plug my band because <laughs> um, it's not. It's not. We're not ready for that yet. But we do have a, sh- a show, another show scheduled. Where's, where's the next show? At? I'm not saying. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. That's Very good. Suspense. June 27th <sighs> at an undisclosed location. Yeah, I'm not saying at the it. Jockey Club. No, I'm not telling. <laughs> June 27th, Motor. So. <laughs> well, boy, that that took a lot of uh, uh, arm twisting, didn't it? <laughs> Put him in a headlock and loosen him up. Holy cow! Keep being in the big boys. Yeah. All right. Moving along here. Uh, uh, Chuck Bird and Betsy Young with the Jockey Club memorial effort, I I should say. Uh, Why don't uh, we get into this? And and, uh, assuming that many of our listeners may not have any idea what in the world the Jockey Club is or why it's even worth looking back at. Why don't you take it from there and tell us uh, uh, sort of an overview of of the place and its relevance and uh, why we're here today? Well, first of all, I want to Thank you guys for having us on. And my other, my second question is, do you have the keys to the handcuffs that are holding my hands together just in case I have to use the restroom? <laughs> no, no. Uh, not like not get... until after the interview. Okay, I always like to get he, that up he front. He asked the second question before the first question. <laughs> right. So that, that seems to be the format here. Yeah. I never met Aaron. Oh, right out of the gate. I never met Aaron, but I think you guys are missing him more than you say. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Wow. 
That's harsh. Did, did I read that right? Is that right on the cue card? That is yeah. correct, yes. Aaron sent him with, like, remarks. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to need to take your phone away, He's sir. wily. <laughs> Chuck, you're a wily So one. this isn't the unplugged version because I'm about to be unplugged. <laughs> um, uh, the... <sighs> Betsy, you can cut me off any time, which would be a, which is normal. Um, and I do, yeah. The, I do the, that. The Jockey Club building itself, uh, as as we know it, or as as we're part of this, was in uh, for us was 1982. I saw my first show there. I was 15. Who was that? The Zero Boys from Indianapolis. That, that still one of the biggest and best, as far as I'm concerned. That vicious circle record should be in the top 10 of all punk, quote-unquote, punks, whatever that means, uh, on their list. So at 15, you're going over on York Street, and, you know, Newport was a little different in, in 82. Uh, I was terrified. Uh, and plus, you had to be probably 18 at the time to get in. Technically. So, so yeah, yeah, or, I mean, there's talk of Radio Shack cards as ID. Um, <laughs> I think you, sometimes you could just say your name and you'd get in. Bringing a fake ID, then handing it to the person behind you. Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, the good old days. <laughs> the good old so, days. So you, you go in that place and it's terrifying. You know, Newport was, was for a 15-year-old Cincinnati kid. That was terrifying. Why, is it, why was it terrifying? Well, it's this... Punk club mm-hmm. in Newport, which was you know all the little porno shops. Seedy, yeah, seedy, yeah, still mob run. Uh, right, so j- you wouldn't think going across that bridge by the Coliseum there would be that big a deal. But when do you hang around in Newport? Yeah. When you live across the river, so going there. At, Said the boy from Fairmount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of all places. Uh, so you go in, and you know the carpet's all dingy, and sh- then you see this character named Shorty in there who runs the place. You know, he, he his his trousers were up up above his rib cage, and he had that dirty white shirt. That's all I ever remember of him wearing. Yeah. You know, and his hair with the dandruff and the cigar, and <laughs> and he had that big uh, flashlight that he would whack you with. So whenever he would look at your hands and see what beer you had, and if yeah. it wasn't one from the bar, which normally it wasn't because we couldn't afford, what, a dollar fifty or a dollar back then. <laughs> so he would whack you. It was like a teacher with a ruler. Yeah. and and uh, That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So the, the, that, that rite of passage there, I guess, even though it's like, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to, it's like the Catholic Church. The, oh, yeah. the scars are internal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can't see them right off the bat, but, you know. So... Um, Restless sleep at night. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Nightmares, so, if you will. So the uh, Jockey Club was uh, from 82 until... 88. Okay, 82 The, the version that we're interested in. Sure, sure. Um, now, uh, Bill Least was instrumental in Billy Blank in getting that started. Mm-hmm. Him and Jughead and Handsome Clem. Uh, they were, from our understanding of it, looking for a place to have shows. I think Bogarts was doing renovation at the time. And they were tired of making road trips to see their favorite bands. So that I don't was Bill's dad worked yep. at Wiedemann? Yeah, Bill's that, dad did, and then he knew Shorty or knew the family. And, and Wiedemann um, was huge back then too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And it was right across the street, if I remember right. And at the time I think Shorty and his brother Tiny, who wasn't mm-hmm. tiny at all. Shorty was short, but Tiny was not tiny. He was a big man. Um, <laughs> they um were looking to kind of expand because they were just like a bar, you know, like a dive bar. 
and with cover bands and um and so bill then bill least billy blank we called him um approached him and asked him if they could start booking shows and he said yes so that's kind of where it started and clem handsome clem who had a show on waif called search and destroy he was really instrumental in terms of saying we need to get black flag you know we he was naming the bands that we you know bill had his favorites but but uh clem at the time was kind of on the pulse Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how a lot of that started, where a lot of these bands just right out of the gate started playing. But it, we also had a very vibrant local punk rock scene with local bands that were excellent. Um, and there could be an, an entire night that's all local bands, SS20, Musical Suicide, The Edge. Um, and, um, Later on, Sluggo. And then you Libertines. Had, yeah, you had the whole hospital records groups. Mm-hmm. Um, BPA, uh, Uncle Dave Lewis, that was all those guys. I think they were actually the first ones to do shows there. So it, it really wasn't, quote, unquote, a punk scene. Yeah. I, that that always – it doesn't bother me because, you know, we're, whatever the punk thing is because they had country bands there, mm-hmm. uh, blues. Yeah. I, uh, I think, H-Bomb Ferguson played there all the time. Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, so <clears throat> you had – what was the term back then, alternative music? <clears throat> underground college rock yeah but it was even before that new wave yeah all those all those (laughs) terms so all every one of those bands you had like the leroy brothers was a straight out rockabilly band Mm -hmm. charlie pickett and the eggs yeah so Mm -hmm. when you call it a punk rock club so you have bands like doa played there Mm -hmm. and it they those people would tell us this is the biggest thing from here to chicago that covers a lot of ground that's crazy you know this is what what would what was clem call it the premier Punk club. He called it in the Midwest or something. He had a saying. He would always say it. Turns out it, it was very true. You know, when, when you get bands like that, DOA, Toxic Reasons, the Zero Boys, I think the Effigies from Chicago was one of the first bands. Uh, Articles of Faith, Gang Green. I mean, these are wow. punk thrash bands. Mm-hmm. But you still had... Well, I mean, the list is they had the huge shows. The Ramones played there. The Cramps played there. Dead Kennedys. Uh, The Damned played there. So there, uh, Sam Hain. You know, um, right after Danzig, mm -hmm. or after the Misfits. Yeah, after Misfits. Uh, These are all the uh, these are all the T-shirts that all the seniors had on when I was a eighth grader. Uh, (laughs) Think about think about this. All the really cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then their brothers were even cooler. Like when I was like, oh man, I knew you would be cooler than me. Because your brother had that awesome Danzig <laughs> shirt on right. when I uh, didn't even know how to say that word. Right. Yeah, what is that? Husker Du. Husker The first time I saw Husker Du, they did. I, it seemed to me it was one song. It was 45 minutes long. Yeah. But it, really, it was it was probably their whole catalog in 45 minutes. And the replacements, right? Oh, the replacements did, yeah. That, that, that's that always was... a bone of contention with me. Go well, ahead. <laughs> I will say this about the replacements is that they were notorious in the day for being awful. Yeah. Drunk and awful or totally on. Yeah. Well, they at the jockey club, we had the misfortune of having one of those off nights. Um, Same with Flipper. They were just out of their heads. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a disaster. And, you know, I mean, bad music is okay with me. But it was bad, really bad. I get in arguments with people because I hated that. If you're going to pay three to five bucks back in those days, man, I worked at Walgreens, dude. That was an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was. So (laughs) the replacements could be brilliant and awful in the same show. You know, the the shows ran late there. That's a lot of time to drink. You put in a half a shift for them drinking. Mm-hmm. Then you come out and do sloppy cover songs, and some people went nuts, loved it. And 
I, you know, that, that's a lot of labor. Yeah. Three to five, five bucks. Johnny Thunders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, he um, he played, and then um, I don't I don't know if I could grab corroborate this story, but apparently he hung around town for a while for some reason. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and so what happened is, is he ended up doing like these sort of last minute secret acoustic shows, <laughs> and we got an opportunity to see him. Yeah, I um, yeah, I didn't go when he did the electric because I figured he was not going to show, mm-hmm. or he would overdose. Because that happened. Or, yeah. So when they did, they announced the free acoustic show. Of course, in the way the lighting was set there, you you look up and you think Hank Williams is there. I know that might be a weird comparison but when he was up there i always remember that night because i was like nah he's no way but when you went mesmerizing unbelievable it was it was incredibly emotional i I can't explain it and then um and then years later you know you just keep kind of revisiting those moments uh, with the feeling really sure (laughs) Uh, more than anything else um and i had lots of moments like that and i want to add this before i forget the thing i think that makes this that scene um, and that time so special is that I had an opportunity because I had a friend that lived out of town to go to other punk clubs. You know, I've, I've been to punk clubs in New York and I've been to CBGB's. I've been to um, the Channel in Boston. I ha- and I grew up in Dayton, so I saw punk shows there, The Toxic Reasons and bands like that. Um, this scene was so inclusive. You would go to other places and you would – you know, see people, you know, punks beating up hippies mm-hmm. and skinheads beating up punks. And they were really intolerant of each other. And there was a lot of violence in the pit. Girls and women, unless they were really had a lot of strength, could not be in the pit. In this in this scene, it was very inclusive. People didn't necessarily all look punk. You saw people, you know, with the Liberty Spikes and the, you know, the, then the leather jackets, but you also saw people in flannels and looking, quote unquote, normal. And, 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 and there were metal guys and girls that used to hang out there. Even Metallica came in to see the Ramones. So it was a very inclusive scene and no one was ostracized size for that purpose. Now, I was never at yeah. the Jockey Club, but years later, seeing shows like the Ramones at Bogarts or Social Distortion or the Dead Milkman, all these sorts of bands, uh, as a young high school kid, I was surprised at how nonviolent it was in the pit. Mm-hmm. And if somebody fell down, everybody would push everybody aside, grab them, pick them up, and they keep going. Sometimes uh, you could attribute it to bigger shows, and sometimes a lot of the college with kids would right. come in who really didn't know the etiquette, um, would come in and throw chairs up on the stage. I've seen that happen. But really, the core group uh, the scene I guess it looks it. like anarchy when you show up if you're not familiar with what's happening and so it can instill in you an idea of like oh I can do whatever I want here yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's a great point because as the thing got bigger and it got more like TV coverage or right the inquirer put a little thing in there and you look at it and you could I mean my parents had my mom or they had to wonder about kiss <laughs> when you open up a live two or a live one or oh my god you know think about that but think about any kind of footage from a dead Kennedy show or, right. or later on faster thrashy mm-hmm. you know crazy band agnostic front you can imagine what yeah. what they thought sure what do you do oh, we're just going out and having fun mm-hmm. with, yeah. with in our this friends. terrible neighborhood you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. Over, over in the suburbs in the of Newport yeah <laughs> and you might come home with a couple bruises but it's not um, you know the 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 spikes yeah I never would wear those the, the leather jackets ninety five percent of them came from thrift stores. Pretty cool. 
I mean, in the summer, you suffer for that art. You know, the Fonz had to be sweating, so you know we were. <laughs> uh, so you had that camaraderie in the local shows because we'd all go see those bands, SS20 and Musical Suicide and Sluggo and, and, and the thousands of others. But when the Damned or the Ramones, mm-hmm. where'd these other 500 people come from? <laughs> you're looking around like, why weren't they at the local show that was two bucks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then, and then, so when you're going like the exploited, the, you, you know, Discharge and GBH and Broken Bones and the UK subs, the, 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 the big shows were five. I think the most expensive that I remember was the Gun Club was 10. Uh-huh. I thought we were, there was going to be a rebellion. Ten bucks? I mean, now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking half a shift. You're working half a shift yeah. to get in. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, damn, I should have spent ten dollars to see the Gun Club, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you'd have bands like the Violent Femmes would come, and that was Shorty's favorite band, my understanding, because the bar sold out. Huh. So and what's yeah the, he completely sold out sold out every beer and in, in the jockey club so he would tell everybody that's his favorite yeah, band, band <laughs> oh that's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good taste yeah. uh, so and then then we have to to, to mention the the beer the Foster what we call it oil cans yeah uh-huh. and that, they were dangerous then they were made they out were of metal. steel <laughs> they were made out of steel yeah. yes now Whatever. they're in aluminum yeah uh-huh. that might have been from st- people throwing them at the band the reduced which was kind of the house band and that was Bill. Bill's, Billy Blank's band. Uh, so you could always tell when Bill's favorite bands played because the Reduce opened up. Mm-hmm. The Vibrators, the the Dickies. So whenever Bill's favorite bands would play, the yeah. Reduce played. Well, if you were the booker, wouldn't you do it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Metallica coming in. Um, they were here touring with Ozzy. Uh, Cliff Burton was still alive. It was uh, in there. Um uh, in yeah, Master of Puppets tour, and they were big Ramones fans, notoriously. They sure, liked obviously. the Misfits yeah. and the Ramones and um, Discharge and some of the British King Diamond. thrash yeah. bands. <laughs> and um, and and that was right around the time when um, you know, they were talking a lot about metal crossover, and there were you know, oh, Motor- yeah, Motorhead kind of paved the way a little bit with that, but there were all these bands that were you know, they, they considered crossover, and um, Metallica was in that that vein at least for the first couple albums and those lines were just blurred and you know they finished their show and they came over and everybody was talking about how metallica was at jockey club yeah um crossover bands what i immediately think of dirty rotten imbeciles dri yes uh they were starting to get there they played and i remember the set list it had 45 songs wow and they did one hour now you do the math. <laughs> Let, let's go. Let's get back to that, the down to earth part of Jockey Club. Right, right. Only because I went to see Ghost on Friday at the Taft. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I didn't get to meet Ghost unless I paid to be a VIP. Mm-hmm. At the Jockey Club, you can meet every band. You could buy their forty fives. They'd sit on stage and talk and come out, go out to the van and you know buy those forty fives for a buck. Mm-hmm. You got to meet these guys. We don't get to do that so much anymore. Was that like more of the tradition back then? Yeah, because you're you're playing at the jockey club. There's and, nowhere to hide. Yeah. So, but <laughs> you engage your fans. That's what I'm saying. You have a tradition. There's more of right the, now. Yeah. It's how, when's the last time you went backstage? Unless you had a pass or you it's knew somebody. Not happening. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you have to understand it's coming off of this whole uh, arena rock scene and mentality. Right. And we, you know, we both started. You know, our interest in music with huge bands, you know, Kiss, Van Halen, you know, Def Leppard, and 
Rush Queen, and bands like that, Queen, sure. and they played these huge stadiums, but they were untouchable. I mean, there was yeah. no, there was no way that you would ever meet your heroes, you know. And that was what was so so fresh and exciting about punk rock too, is that they were there was none of that rock rock star pretense or, you know. Um, it was just that they would hang out. They were fans too, and they would hang out with you. And if you had questions or you wanted to talk to them about, I don't know how you felt about a certain song or a record. Which most was, most it, bands were glad which to was engage you. Which super important because there was no other way to get that information. Right. Well, no well, internet. Well, there were zines. Um, there were zines, and there was radio, um, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I found out just about. I mean, growing up in Dayton. I didn't really know what was going on, except Maximum Rock and Roll had these scene reports. And each, a lot of the cities would have people who were on the ground and they'd write something for every issue about what was going on in their scene. And I used to read about um, the Jockey Club and uh, what was going on here, you know, with Handsome Clem doing the radio show and uh, shows going on at the Jockey Club and different zines, different bands. And when I came to UC, when I came to Cincinnati to go to UC, that's the first place I went. I drove over to Newport to go to the Jockey Club. I didn't even know if there was anything going on. And I actually was in Covington. I didn't know it. I drove around Covington <laughs> for like an hour asking people where the Jockey Club was, and yeah. no one knew. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> I ended up over in Newport, and I saw the sign. I went, there, there it is, yeah. you know, this innocuous Wiedemann sign with this generic jockey club you know on it and there was no bands playing that night but i went in there and uh, that was my first time going and when you know after knowing where it was i just couldn't stay away and i i didn't know anybody i would come to shows by myself for at least the first six months just by myself and just sit there yeah and because i had this i mean it was like a compulsion to be there I, I can't explain it in any other way. I had to be there. That's where I belonged. Yeah, no, awesome. It, that that also shows you how strong the local scene was. Uh, you, you, Maximum Rock and Roll, and I don't know if Flipside did those or not. But when you looked at those bands that were there, the local bands, our bands, I would compare them to any other scene, Chicago, any of those. They, I mean, they may not have had all the the records out, but but the ones that put out records, the way they sounded. It was, and I'm sure everybody would say that in Indy or Dayton or Columbus or, uh, but what we had friends from Lexington, Louisville, Columbus. There was a group that would come from Athens, all the way. That's what three hour drive yeah. to see Indianapolis. Yeah, in, uh, these all these places, and it, it was. That's what I meant. That think about that. That's give or take a hundred plus miles mm -hmm. radius. It's pretty amazing for these 16 year old kids to try to get their buddies to get in a car and come down. To Newport to the jockey yeah, just, club. Yeah, just just to hope you'd be lucky to, to sneak in. Yeah. You can't even get a sixteen year old person to like a Facebook post. But I'll give you a hundred bucks if you just share this. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. We're at ten. Can know. we get eleven? I don't know. Uh, already shared it, two things today, so it was hard. Kind of all I out mean, of shares. You had to really seek it out in order to um, you know, have that experience. You had to order if you didn't have a record store near you. Luckily in Dayton, we had Renaissance Records, and mm -hmm. but um, but uh, and here there was the Wizards. Uh, yeah, and, Clifton. You know, yeah, Clifton. Mm -hmm. We had Record Alley in uh, North mm -hmm. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but, you know, still, even then, you had to order a lot of the records by mail order on the back of Max Morgan or through the bands and through a P.O. box. Sure. And you would get stickers and different things like that. You could become pen pals with some of the bands. But it was really zines were king in those days. And yeah. um, and that's where I got all my information. And I was I was a real nerd. I even read the columns. I would read that thing from cover to cover. I mean, yeah. it would be 200 pages of newsprint and I would read it from cover to cover. Um, it's just it just soaked it all in. <laughs> so in those days, social media was flyers on a pole, right? And and I, I wish that we have some in the Jockey Club book that we try to compile. But you see, those homemade ones were so cool. It's just like, oh yeah, you just drew. I, I draw stick men, so you just had this flyer with the the name of the bands on there, and. But it was heartfelt, and it took time. And then mm-hmm. after all that, you still had to go and staple them up. Right. And the only reason you did that, because you were a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, you sometimes know? you'd see multiple flyers for the same designs for the same show. It didn't necessarily mean that that person that designed it was affiliated with the band or the band asked them to do it. Some of them just did it. They yeah. created this flyer art uh, yeah. in Xerox machines usually and um, posted them all over town. Uh, Short Vine was really the hot spot in those days for posting and obviously over there for the jockey club. But um, it was, you know, it was a different time. But I somehow in a weird way, because it wasn't so accessible that you actually had to work for it, it has more meaning. Even general mu- in music wasn't as accessible. And now it's like, you know, it, everything. Any, any, anything in the world is Yeah, it's, uh, it, it kind of takes the fun out of it because it's like, you know, well, you, and, and I, I literally, I was, I was, yeah, that's there, there, there the mystique. Yeah, there's definitely, like you were saying, we, Betsy, we there definitely like, is a mistake. Having to read all those pages of that design to just to yeah. get the information and to go, and then you said you didn't really talk to any, or you went by yourself for like the first six months, mm-hmm. but eventually I'm sure you've obviously met people and they became mm-hmm. friends and then you realize we're, a, oh, there's a whole community of people. Yeah, lifelong you know? friends actually. I'm friends with people now that I met 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago at the Jockey Club. I met him and married him Yeah. Um, at the Jockey Club. And I, and through our, uh, the work that we've done with the Jockey Club by putting the book out and by doing some shows, uh, some reunion type shows, uh, we met people that we didn't know in the day because we kind of ran with who we drove with. That's that's what Chuck always says. And so there were a lot of people I didn't know, but I got to know through working with them on the book and their contributions and meeting them later on and got friends that way. So let's talk about the book. I know you've both mentioned it. I've read it myself. It's a fantastic piece of work. Uh, It's it's just, and and I know uh, you gave us uh, several copies here, which quickly were were pulled up off the shelves and and purchased. Um, uh, Interestingly enough, by younger individuals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know you've reported similar success stories with this book. I mean, it's, it's gone through a second printing, right? Yeah. It's, it's the book that won't die actually. You know, it's not making us millions or anything like that. And we gave a fair amount of the money away initially Uh um, that we made from the book because we felt like the book uh, was a, was an, a community effort, uh, you know, an effort from the scene and it didn't belong to us. It belonged to everyone and it belonged to Shorty and it belonged to, you 
you know, the the memory of the people that aren't with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, we gave a lot of the money away when we we were asked a lot about that book because it's kind of like, you know, the old Ryko disc or whatever, steal this disc. And um, I think there was like an old Abby Hoffman book, with yeah. steal this book or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it was Abby Hoffman. Um, uh, it was the book that was always reported to have been stolen or I lent it to someone and never got it back. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. And so um, we went ahead and did a second um printing of the book and we're keeping in print um for the time being um and it's just keeps you know record stores sell out of it and we keep bringing them back and sells on amazon um you know so we you know we're really pleasantly surprised at that sweet little book that we we really didn't know what we were doing it was our second book yeah um and we worked really really hard on it i look back on it sometimes and go oh god i would have changed that you know i would have added to that better but but uh yeah that's what he always always says how can you edit a book after the first printing that's the the most punk rock thing you can do don't edit the book but yeah. it's really hard to not want to fix you know your when you go back and <laughs> oh, when you course. go back and read your writing it's always years later you always you're like oh why would i say that that doesn't yeah. even sound like me or you know paintings or music right. things like that i'm sure it's somewhere well, well you're right about younger people because now when we're, we're putting well, on this it's, show. it's all become legendary, you yeah. know, and, and, and I mean, right. these stories, they, they grow with time. Right. Well, yeah, that, that's it, true. It's just, it's well, just and then remarkable. you've got older brothers and you've got, you know, we, we gather up the guys. and You've whenever. completely forgotten about a lot of things that are the most yeah. important thing that mm-hmm. happened right. to Right. Or, or that one show. Sure. Man, you remember that one show? The one night you were stuck at yeah. Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's how stupid I was. I can't get my film to come out of the yeah. dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a stupid story. So here's how stupid I was. <laughs> And I always tell my daughter, who's 17, that boys are stupid and they're dorks, and then then they just die. Uh, (laughs) So instead of going to see Minor Threat, Minor Threat, okay? I don't have to say that too many times. I went to my junior prom. There you go. Was it was idiot? Was Minor Threat at your junior prom? No, no. <laughs> but because, so think about how dumb that was. But if you think about it, also you you know these bands kept coming around, so sure, you were sure. thinking, ah, I'll catch them next Minor time. Minor Threat's yeah. never gonna break up. I mean, yeah. they're <laughs> you know. What's he gonna do? Start a band called Fugazi? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Duh. It's not even a word. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> uh, but that's I wanna... another band that I was never ever cool enough to listen to. <laughs> really. Well, you were talking about. I've the, got um, a, Oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was you, saying, well, Betsy was talking about the uh, bands hanging out and talking after the show and stuff like that, and that was my experience with Fugazi at Bogarts one time. Was that we went to the alley back behind Bogarts, and they all came out, and I mean, out. We were out there for hours talking to Ian McKay, who was just mm-hmm. as kind and generous about you know DC punk and stuff because we were just high school kids, like we don't know anything about any of this stuff. But he was so cool and kind to talk to us and like put up with us basically yeah. you know for like an hour and a half or two hours out there you know I, glad, I, I, glad you yeah. got dead milkman and fugazi and i got the gin blossoms well you know and the spin doctors <laughs> and i only missed uh, it by like five years dude, so i am this close to coming over and giving you a hug yeah uh, i am i don't want to mess up the mic thing i'm this close oh i wanted Hope you're to go, happy matt yeah, I, I wanted to go back matt because we were talking about what a community it was when you'd be in a local shows and i i think i don't know if it's not all of them but most most of the people that we knew came from broken homes. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of divorce, hmm. if you think back at all those, both of us included. So I, I don't want to call the jockey club a therapy session, no. but think about a bunch of kids in their teens coming together for this, which it would be a miracle if it was less than once a week. 
where there were shows. And you're there with your friends, and every time, more or less, you'd meet someone else. You bring a buddy from school or from your, your part-time job right. or from your family, and next thing you know, like say, we hung out mostly with who you drove with because you didn't want to walk back home from Newport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but then a lot of our friends were in bands. And then to, to see your, your friends open up for bands like Minor Threat and the Dead Kennedys and all these, man, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> so cool. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, we're, we're, you know that, but if you said that out in public in that time, they're like, what's a jockey club? What's a Husker do? And who are you? Right. And why do you have stupid hair and it's got color in it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you retreat <laughs> into the thing. You learn about all the music. Because, you know, it's an escape thing when you don't have you know, a, a great home to go back to after school every day. You right. retreat into music. And then to discover that there's a place you can go where there are other people like you who have also right. been reading the zines and retreating into this music. Hold on, you got to pronounce it zines. Do I? Do I? Yeah. All right. Yeah, Sound yeah. like you said enzymes. Yeah. <laughs> zines. But, but the other thing, too, is that, you know, at that time, this was like, you know, MTV was also known as infancy. And so, you know, you, get, you would get stared at a lot based on how you looked and beat up a lot. I mean, I remember in high school being thrown in a dumpster by a bunch of football players, getting crap thrown in my hair while I was sitting in class, you know, just generally treated like a pariah. Um, and yes, I made a choice to kind of have this outward appearance and make a fashion statement. But, um, but you know, I had it was my right to do it, but it was unusual at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And people were scared of it. And I think that's how they reacted. I was often stared at. But that community, even I had friends at Roger Bacon that would go to, you know, it's all boys school. They would go to punk shows, you know, and you you go in the next day and and I I didn't drink back then, but you were hung over from the music. I mean, you're going to see these bands, whether it was Texan or Horseheads or even local bands like SS20. Those shows didn't start till 10 o'clock. You know, and the second band came on at 11. If there was a headliner, it was midnight or after. That's tough to get up and go to school the next day. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, you know? sidebar, very very quickly. Uh, the the uh, intro, outro, outro music for, for this program by the All Sing Eyes mm-hmm. uh, was recorded here in, in this space mm-hmm. and uh, pressed to a vinyl 45 RPM record uh, by the foundation using one of the original labels that was used when this was a studio space from 45 to 55. Uh, and in the dead wax, when the music is done playing and you've got that little bit of wax before it reaches the label, uh, I believe there is a nod to BPA. There's a etch, is there a, there's, wow. there's something, cool is something there. Mm-hmm. So if you if you have that record, be sure to... And we, um, since we're kind of on the topic of BPA, we tried... Uh, valiantly to try to get them to do um, our show and unfortunately they I mean they play they're still in a, a band they still practice every week they're still friends of ours we love them but they weren't unable to uh, make that commitment and so we were a little bit disappointed about that but we were able to pull together another show I think this is our third um, show that we've done we've personally done at the Sa- Southgate House Re- Revival is it four? I say four um, and uh, we, I think we have a pretty good lineup for this one we were able to get Nine Pound Hammer from Lexington which we were real excited about they okay. they played in the day and they were happy to do it and they've never done any of our shows before you know it's it's kind of nice what this this thing has afforded us but I also am the, of the mind that it, you know it doesn't hurt to ask you know they sure. can just say no yeah so so I do ask um, for the things that I want. Yeah, I, I will say that, that when Bet said we brought Cheetah Chromin, we didn't. I didn't do anything. 
I'm just, you know, the kind of the, the pretty boy face of the group. Oh boy. Bet's made <laughs> Bet's made that happen. She she made that happen. She made Alice Bag happen. We put out a book of poetry uh called Blue Jay Slayer from our friend Matt Hart. Blue Jay Slayer. Well one of everybody's favorites band is Slayer. Guess who we got to do a blurb for it because of Betsy. Dave Lombardo blurbed our book. Wow. They, they, wow. You know how hard that took? Yeah. We, we waited six months for that blurb. <laughs> Worth wow. every second of it. Betts contacted his management, sent him a proof of it. Six months later, he, he it's on the back of the book. Crazy. Now, <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, smart musicians and smart artists know that they need us as much as we right. need yeah. them. And, and Dave's a fan of And, and the coolest of art, ones, you know, you know, if it's good, if your idea is good and yeah. they get and you can get it to them, mm-hmm. normally, you know, you get a pretty positive response because they just want to have I mean, they're so isolated mostly if you ever have the Yeah the chance. When you have to go through a management team, it's kinda of like, well, sure, you know. Yeah. But that's persistent and the manager, she was great. And I just say, just people ask sometimes, well, why do you do Aurora Press? Mm-hmm. Well, we're supporters of art. How? What you guys? You 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 define art. Yeah. What we're doing now is art. Sure. This whole place is art. Um. So that and 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 I always say it, and I'll probably say it until we stop doing it or we die. Is when you want to do something creative or fun or important, who do you call? You're you're one of our examples. You call your friends. Yeah, yeah call your friends. Mm-hmm. What's the first person you're going to do when you when what? Not not just say when you need something. Yeah. But but I want to be a part of something that's going on. Just like I love getting emails. Hey, can you do this? Or yeah. would this be cool? Or would you mind doing a podcast or this or that? Yeah. Absolutely, because people have done it for and with us. Well, and and you're both of you are, are always such a pleasure to work with. It is is you know honestly anybody with with the Jockey Club group. In, in my experience, yeah. has been uh, always a pleasure to work with and interact with and learn from, and and get to become friends with, and to see on that level. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, well, well, thank you for saying yeah. that, Bill. Uh, we we consider you part of our family, and I was I went to see Big Sandy and the Flyright Boys last night at yeah. Southgate House, and and the person who was dancing the most was Morella. Okay. Yeah. Marilla. Man, she I'm was going so on and on about you, and I was like, you know, he's okay. I mean, yeah. I like him. But, you know, I mean, I like his, you know, sure. the way yeah. he dresses and whatnot. Of course. Yeah. We all do. But, but yeah. that 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 partnership, just through for us for Marilla, uh, how great is that to have someone like that on your team? Yeah. Yeah. And right. that that came from you, so we thank you for that too. Well. Well, I want to say one thing really quickly before we wrap this up, because I've been writing ferociously. If you've heard this, I've noticed. If you've heard the scribbles, but I have collected somewhere between. I got to re. I got to do an official count, but I've got at least thirty-two bands written down here, and we'll put this on the, on the screen when we do the pot like we'll put it in the show notes show, show notes. notes. It'll <laughs> yeah. be in the show notes, so you'll be able to see things like the Dickies, the Misfits, King Diamond. Dirty Rotten Embassies, The Reduced, Musical Suicide, Sluggo, Uncle Dave Lewis, The Ramones, Dead Kennedys, Toxic Reasons, The Effigy, Sam Hain, Tex and the How- Horse, oh, Tex and the Horseheads, BPA, Nine Pound Hammer, The Bags, The Germs, Cheetah Chrome, <laughs> all bands that I've, some I've heard of, some I've never heard of, but I'm excited to check them all out. So I've just had a like, I'm sure a lot of people got like a, an old-fashioned verbal oral knowledge dump because <laughs> yeah. you can't you can't look I can't look up nine pound hammer because I don't I've never heard that so I can't type in 
now I can. Right. Yeah. So, so I, that, that's I, the, that's I, the, that's the beauty I of the, appreciate, the show. Yeah. Appreciate uh, this. And 90% of those bands you mentioned played the jockey club. No, no, yeah. I get that. So, so I mean, and that's just the ones we were, right, I, you know. Right. And that's the just the, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more. So, well, I, I can't recommend your book enough. Uh, anyone listening to this podcast, how, how would they either get information on that or your other publications? Um, you can come to our website, um, and it's auroraPress.com, and uh, I will spell you, you it. You better spell it. It's A-U-R-O-R-E-P-R-E-S-S.com. Okay. And it's a weird way to spell .com. It is weird, I know. <laughs> um, That's but, why I spelled it. But Betsy takes care of all the social media, Facebook and Twitter yeah. and Instagram. And okay. We didn't talk about the complete lineup for the— Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on yeah. uh, this. This It's uh, May 25th. Friday. Friday, May 25th, and Saturday, May 26th, right. Memorial Day weekend. Two nights. Friday evening at the Southgate House. Who's performing? Um, the Jimmy D3, which is Jim Davidson, Matt Becker, and their drummer's name is Debbie. I met her last night. They opened up for Big from Sandy. Rochester. Debbie from Rochester. That's why Jimmy D. Jim Davidson ran the sound, and he was kind of Shorty's right-hand man there. And he's been in 3,000 bands, and he can name every band and every member. Um so they're going to open up the set at <sighs> the music's not going to start any later than 8:30. Okay. I don't want to say it cuz we're older now. Yeah, yeah. But the reason we're doing it is because we're older now. Sure. So um and we want to get nine pound hammer on at eleven because they have that show in Lexington on the, the okay. following night. So yeah. we're all and, and when I told them they were going on eleven, they're like, "I think we love you. We don't even know you." <laughs> you know. So, but like I say, the demographic has changed. Sure. You know, you, we're tired, Bill. Yeah. Uh, but then we got the dummy ups who are playing second, and mm -hmm. that's members of the Auburn Airs. Sure. And uh, they played a lot in Clifton too, the Auburn Airs, but it's going to be high energy. Jim Cole, Peter yeah. Alexander. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the Auburn Airs, we have never played one of our uh, reunion they shows played. before. Jim Cole and, and Peter both performed at Jockey Club a lot, right? Yes. Yes. and and they, uh, But they've never done one of our shows. One of Aurora Press. Yeah, so. which okay. was really kind of uh, exciting to get there. And they had the distinction of playing the last show. Yeah. Mar uh, okay. Which is the reason the for last the Jockey Club right. show. Before yeah. they sh closed, before Shorty closed the doors and sold which if you place. haven't read the book or if you weren't there you haven't heard the legends the place was just trash absolute nuts people were yep. stealing signs tables was chairs upset. tearing out the ceiling <laughs> we yeah. didn't go we yeah, didn't go and we night. were not there, no, so, I was, so no way. Um, that they do have the distinction of playing that last terrible night. Like actually, a lot of people describe that as being a really terrible, um, upsetting night. But um, so we were very happy to have them um, come and play. And the and by the way, the reason for the 30th anniversary is that it closed uh, May 29th. That was that show, 1988. And so it's been okay. exactly 30 years yeah, this so. month okay. since the Jockey Club shuttered its doors. Right. And then. Uh, also, we have SS20. SS20, which okay. is... Yeah. So so that's a, a heck of a lineup Friday night. Saturday, uh, here at the Herzog Space. Yes. Uh, panel discussion. DJ yes. Brian Delcision. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and what else can we expect from the panel discussion? So um, I'm going to be moderating the panel. I'm really excited about that um, because uh, we did have an experience um, early on when we were planning the book where we talked to Bill Least when he was still alive mm -hmm. and uh, Clem Carpenter and Jimmy D and Jughead. And we all sat in our overgrown backyard in this broken picnic table. And I actually recorded the whole thing where we talked a lot about the day, you know, drank beers, drank Fosters or whatever, mm -hmm. and talked about the 
the the days of the jockey club and it was very informative and insightful and i thought a lot about that and i thought you know this would be something that other people would like you know i think sure. really enjoy hearing and even though we don't have bill with us anymore um i kind of had this idea that a panel would be awesome so we've got jughead um obviously from ss20 and public figure that's his current band he's going to be on the panel jimmy d is going to be on the panel um you know mostly all movers and shakers we have uh, uh the hockey punk neil aquino yeah, yeah. who uh did the did radio with clem um, for search and destroy really great guy really political guy um you know doing a lot of good down in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, so he's going to be on the panel. And Tim Schwally uh, from BPA will be on the panel. And we have Jerry Adams, who also had a radio show. What was the name of that radio show that he did on WAVE? Long time, year, yeah, 20 all, years Yeah, he all did lo local music on there. He's currently in a band called Ho Billy. He played in um, a band called Peppermint Subway. He wrote for the book. Um, most of the people on the panel actually wrote for the book, I, I believe. Um, Tim Schwally didn't, but Tim Benz from BPA wrote a pretty pretty good piece in there about his experience. So we're going to have all those guys there, and we're going to have a panel and uh, and then a Q&A, hopefully. Yeah. And we're hoping to ha you know to encourage people, if we can, to maybe read their piece from the book if they've written for the book or come up and reminisce about their experiences yeah. at the or ask club. questions too yeah yeah uh, um, and, and that kicks off on, on the uh, earlier than a club right that's going to be at six o'clock six o'clock right yeah. here right right here yeah yeah right here where we're sitting yeah really and looking forward to that so and brian gr uh, graciously instantly said he would come here and he's going to spin some you know 80s era punk rock records for us you know only the good stuff yeah you know we don't have to weed through all the garbage on you know Spotify or whatever, yeah. you know, ugh, who says this is punk, you know, um, he's going to play only the good stuff. So we're really excited about it, you know, and, and, and it'll be a good opportunity to, especially if you go to the show on Friday to come over and kind of unwind and hang out and you can bring the kids. It's, it's sure. family friendly. And, and it's friendly. free. The show here free. at Hurts Arg is free. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and thanks, Bill, for well, kind of, you know, you were sort of the catalyst in making this happen because we didn't really know if we wanted to go through it, through with it again, just because it's just kind of a lot of work and we have jobs yeah. and we publish other things. And But I, we realized that it, this was important enough to yeah. mark this time um, and bring people together. And honestly, you know, the last time we did a show, Bill was alive. So um, people are getting older and they're passing away and, you know, we we need to have these things. We probably should do it more often, really. But well, we need to have these experiences. More more than happy to help facilitate that here. Thanks on behalf of the foundation and and all of that. And thank you so much for joining us here uh, for the podcast, Lost on the River. And thank you. Yes. Can, can you get those keys now, Bill? Yeah. Let me, let yeah, me get this hand cuffs off. off. I have to use the, I have to use the restroom. Sure. <laughs> it's well, been a pleasure. Once right. again, thank you sure. guys for having us, yeah. and hopefully this is one of many. Yeah. Any, and, anything to add? Anything that we we didn't touch on, or? Uh, uh, yeah, we could go three hours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we've got time on the meter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but the the main thing, most importantly, is let's have fun. Yeah, that's right. uh, we forget that that's really the theme. It's not. I mean, we we miss our friends, but let's have fun now. No, that way, these are memories that that we can share with our kids and grandkids or whatever. And and just realize too. I mean, th there's not going to be very many more of these, if there is ever going to be an you know opportunity to get, to get together again. And you know, it's very easy to sit at home and be a little complacent, like I'm tired. I don't feel like going out, you know. But um, it's a weekend, and you can sleep in the next day. And um, I think you'll find that once you get out, um, you know, you're going to be glad. 
glad that you did. Thank you both. All right. So yeah, much. Thank, thank you guys. It's so such much. a pleasure chatting with you guys. I've right. Thank you. Thanks Learned for so much. All right. Thank you once again, Chuck and Betsy, uh, with the the Jockey Club and the memorial efforts coming up Memorial uh, Day weekend at both Southgate House and here at the uh, Herzog Space. Some very cool stuff. And uh, Elias is still staring at his list of 35, 40, 40 band names that he's he's, he's going to, uh, that's his homework for tonight. When we stepped away, I got a, like 10 more. Yeah. Yeah. I so. expect a playlist by the time we get back here. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Uh, well, jo- uh, joining us now, uh, Dan Phillips, a.k.a. Zapruder Point, uh, is going to perform a couple songs for us. Mm-hmm. And Dan, uh, here we've got your microphone on here. And, uh, and I know <laughs> yes. uh, you're, you're new to Cincinnati, uh, a recent transplant from Chicago. Is that correct? Yeah, new, new-ish like a year and a half ago. Okay, uh, and, yeah, and, and so. what brought you uh, here to Cincinnati? Uh, well, um the uh, I have a son, and uh, he's young. He's not in school yet, and the educational scene in Chicago looked a little touch and go, mm-hmm. hard to pull off. Um, and my wife's originally from Cincinnati. She, okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you both were in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Like a lot of Buckeyes, we you know migrated out there for a little while, met each other, and then moved back. I did my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So too big for me. She was from Cincinnati, and you were from Cincinnati. No, I was from Cleveland. Actually, oh, okay. yeah. Oh, I see. I see. That's yeah. why you said we had the whole state covered. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. What what part of Cleveland? Uh, the West Side, Fairview Park. Okay. Where, did you, where did you stay sure. in Chicago? Um, you know, it's funny. The last 10 years I lived in Chicago, I didn't live in Chicago. So I'm one of those jerks who claims Chicago. I was living in Cicero, which I lived literally a block. Okay. Uh, one block outside of Chicago. Yeah. And that was sort of part of the lack of affordability <laughs> that uh-huh. sort of also drove us to Cincinnati. Why don't you tell us about some of uh, your uh, experiences here in Cincinnati as a songwriter? <laughs> what are you laughing about? It's, I was uh, just laughing at you. <laughs> Uh, it's been really prep, really positive, you know, so far. It's actually been really good. I mean, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some uh, housing issues that are a little. I won't get into them, but they're they're oh. difficult. But um, in terms of just the music and you know playing with people and meeting people like yourselves and everybody, everyone's been almost like outrageously friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I haven't met them in person yet, it's been a lot of Facebook type stuff and like following people and liking people and commenting and stuff and checking people out. And everybody's been really like forthcoming with advice and you know who to call and you know it's uh, it's been really good so far what's your takeaway on the scene uh uh you know being new to cincinnati ha- the history here you know the, the king record stuff that the jockey club that we were just talking about mm-hmm. the, the, there's a ton of musical history here but then of course there's an extremely vibrant and uh successful music scene happening right now yeah so how did uh, what were your initial thoughts on that coming from uh, where you'd been? Well, it's, it seems like it's very, you know, not to echo what I just said, but like it seems it's, it seems like it's pretty supportive. You know, the people kind of – the band seem to know each other and and uh, I'm, I'm impressed with the number of residencies that people get. You know, like they'll have a Tuesday night residency at their Urban Artifact or whatever and then they just sort of ask two or three bands that they're friends with a play, you know, mm-hmm. from week to week. And that's – I'm just impressed with the opportunities that, these, that the clubs give bands. You know, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, which is, you know, coming from Chicago, things are a little more straight jacketed and a little more, uh, a little more uptight and, uh, you know, uh, a little more bottom line focused, I guess. Not that, you know, um, people shouldn't be, you know, that's important and everything. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I, it seems like the, not only are the musicians here uh, supportive of each other, but it seems like the, you know, the, the bookers and the venues themselves are, are fairly supportive of, you know, having, having a successful night and having like a, a um, a thematically 
cohesive night. Like I went to uh, Urban Artifact a, um, a couple months ago and I saw it was to see this band in details and uh, and they had I forgot the name of the other two bands but they were in details as a guy who plays keyboards. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he uh, and he sings at a at a mannequin's head. Um, I didn't see the show, and I didn't. I didn't. I missed him, believe it or not, because I, I, I was just. I didn't know he was playing last. Um, but they had like some uh, someone playing keyboard, like soundscapey things, and then the debut performance of this band. Uh, it was a guy playing piano and a drummer, and so it was. It was this. Okay. It, it was kind of thematically together, and just for like a Tuesday night, like I'm just gonna walk down here. It was like I was impressed by how it seemed like a little more thought was put into it instead of like, oh, we're this place that has four bands a night, and we're just gonna throw whoever into a bill. You know, I was kind of impressed by that. Sure. So, so do you live in Northside? You just mentioned walking to Urban Artifact. I do. Yeah, I live. Well, I do. Not presently because there's being there's some. Government. Hold on, this is like the living in Chicago situation. <laughs> I, I feel there's some work being done to my house because it's dipped in lead, and so uh, yeah, so that's what's happening. So I'm staying with my in-laws. So uh, lead, lead abatement is no fun. lead abatement is going on. Yeah, that's no right. fun. It's no fun. But Any, the word abatement means expensive. We'll have all new windows, <laughs> and we're done. You know, so that'd be nice. Oh. We were gonna do that in five or ten years. That's nice. Sure. Why not do it now? I guess. How's so, living yeah. with the uh, in-laws going? And you have a three. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned a kid, so you have a three-year-old, and you don't do. want the three-year-old around lead because that's no. actually no. not a laughing matter. Yeah, no, it's not. It's funny that's for us because yeah. it just means like you know we get headaches, but yeah, for yeah. for a young kid that can actually really hurt them. Yeah, it can. Thankfully, he he just he he spiked for a minute and then he's just gone down like precipitously since then. Wow. So yeah, living with the in-laws is uh, great. Great answer. There we go. Yep. Are they all? Are they in no, Northside they're, they're too? They, they live in Hyde Park. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, different vibe. Uh, very different <laughs> than Northside. Um, yeah, we like to. Uh, we call it Joggerville. We count the jog. There's a lot of joggers. It's a, There's yeah. a very health conscious people. Yeah, there, jog is, friendly. Yeah. So dog jog. Mm-hmm. Dogs and jogs. Mm-hmm. That's so Dan, like, how long have injured. you been playing music, Dan? Um, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about Dan's music. Wrap this bit. back in since to... like high school. Um, yeah, I uh, I joined my my I have a twin brother. He's a he's a he plays keyboards, and I I joined his band one night for uh, we did a couple REM covers, and did, then ooh, yeah. did the other other band members realize you were the twin that? Yeah, no, they were they were they were aware. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, okay, but. Uh, yeah, I just I became the lead God, singer. This guy's good. He's everywhere. He's on drums. He's on keys. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, that that would have been awesome. Um, no. Uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, we yeah, d- 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 my first band was uh, them, my twin brother and our friend Greg, and they were both songwriters. It was kind of cool to be in a band with three songwriters, and that was the oh, thing. Yeah. It was like the first time we had a set. I think we were that was all our songs and no covers. It was like uh, it was like some prom esque event, and uh, we were totally over oh, yeah. like ten. That was that was the goal. It was like, oh, this is all our stuff, you know. So we did ten songs, and it was pretty yeah. good. So that's awesome. Yeah, and it was good to have two people to write songs and sort of compare, you know. And to this day, they're in they're another they're in another band called Knower, which is spelled in a way I won't get into, but. Um, they uh, to this day we compare notes and figure out you know what you know what kind of tricks they're doing in terms of writing songs and I'm envious of uh, my my twin brother's songwriting ability and vice versa and that's been kind of been the thing yeah the writing has been the main thing for me so the stuff you're playing in Cincinnati is it, are you playing solo or are you playing with the band some too or? I'm playing solo I'm kind of yeah I'm playing solo for now just because like the scheduling in this house this it's just uh, scheduling wise is kind of tough um, but you know I'll find some people and we'll we'll get it together you know it'll be very different um, yeah just because when I play solo it's it's a uh, it's pretty well you know it's pretty 
sparse. And uh, what's what's helpful though is that right before I left Chicago, a lot of the songs that I that I think almost all the songs that I did here that I'm doing here. Yes. Um, <laughs> there are. I had a full band and we recorded a bunch of them. So like, and I'm going to try to put that out soon. So there, you know. So I've, I have gotten my head around arrangements for songs with actual drummers and lead guitar parts and stuff like that. Um, so there's a template there. I'm ready. I just need to find some people. And where time, uh, where so. are you recording at? Um, well, right now that that stuff was just recorded uh, in Chicago in my friends. Uh, well, the overdubs were then done in my friend's uh, rehearsal space, and there was a, a basement studio run by this guy in Evanston, just north of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, fairly on the Albini cheap. was yeah. his name. Albini? No, no, it was not Albini. Um, yeah, so just kind of on the cheap and whatnot. So, you got it though. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, so it's got something that you can work off of as you craft it and mm-hmm. yeah. forward. I'm gonna. I they recently just had. I don't know how recently actually, but um, you can lease pro tools on a monthly basis oh okay. so for That's 30 the new bucks thing, yeah yeah it's, it's, a, it's in the cloud so i'm 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 sending it actually to my to north carolina to get mixed by this guy who uh works with my twin brother whose name is scott um does he know that you're 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 the brother or does he just think he's doing another project for <laughs> i should have done that it's like can i get the scott i'm scott you're gonna get the scott discount yeah. i'll send you my picture right <laughs> um fish that guy catfish that guy um no uh I'm going to send it down there to get mixed, but I can help clean up a lot because of this Pro Tools $30 a month thing. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Do well, any- Dan, uh, I, I was going to ask if Dan could maybe play a song for us here. We'll get, get that going. Yeah, that's a great idea. I would love okay. to hear some tunes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what, uh, what what song would you like to play for us first here today? Um, I, yeah, I didn't plan this at all, but I, I wrote a song called Memorial Day, and that's soon. That's very soon from yeah, when this sure. gets released. Yeah. So How about um, that? Yeah. yeah. They have a memorial event. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, with Chuck and Betsy with the uh, Jockey Club memorial stuff. So on Memorial Day weekend. How about that? We didn't plan any of that. <laughs> yeah. Here What's this go. song about? Um, it's about uh, this time when I was in. Uh, I, I had my appendix burst and I was in the hospital oh. and I was I was like twenty two or something four or something and I was just I was really poor and I had this weird fantasy about why well, I wonder if I could keep getting sick and stay in the hospital because I just get fed and taken care of here and oh, I was here it was shameful it was a shameful thought went in my head went out but it got in there so I don't know, I, years later I wrote a song about it yeah uh, Dan Phillips uh, Zapruder Point performing here Lost on the River The night before Memorial Day, this is hateful, inspired. The headlights of my Camry settled on St. Anthony's, and they yanked it out that night. In my fever dream, my appendix screamed, even did hardly be And I awoke at noon. TV in my room and the sounds of the parade (laughs) 
over me My juice box of daiquiri In my own private spring ride Never thought to come a boss Better know I wasn't lost My mother out Swimming in morphine My apartment scene Be half a world away Where every dish is cracked Where bills steadily stock Said no way I could Dressed like I had gone to war But I'd never felt so soft Driving home those yellow lines Whispered to my spotless mind We were pain to be crossed As that summer passed The comfort of the crash Well, it faded like a song But the stitches still remain Carrying my shame at the words of men long gone, men long gone. Better man, surely. Better man, surely. like loggers and kids So now I'd shuffle down to the western line Tomorrow's search terms in my head But I just get so tired of waiting I think I'll walk instead Then nothing sad as 4.30 When you haven't been working all day All the neighborhood bars just start waking up Special so humbly display And detergent seeps from the doorway Tap shine like engines so clear 
And I can taste the sweet bitters on my tongue And feel them disappear You can't stay here off that platform Cause I can't get an answer at home Nor at any dumb sequence of pressing To the bottomless depths of my phone So now I just worry My chip down to splinters And march back to that baby blue light Close my eyes and I promise whomever I keep walking by I won't slow my stride Till I'm safe Thank you very much, Dan Phillips, Zap Pruder Point, Lost on the River here. Uh, tell us a little bit about that second song that you just performed for us. Uh, well, that song is called Taps. Um, and it was, uh, I guess, uh, years ago when I was sort of between jobs. Uh, I went for a job interview, and and, uh, and it, it was a... Uh, it was actually actually it wasn't between jobs. I was actually I had a job that I was only mildly disappointed with, and I went to this job interview, and it was sort of uh, I was amazed by how how uh, underqualified I was for this particular position. And it was sort of depressing, and I walked home afterwards, and I thought, you know, uh, it was about four thirty, and I I thought. I don't know, I just had the, I just kind of went on a flight of fancy where I imagined like, well, what if I really needed this job, you know, and what if, uh, you know. I know, and I just kind of took it from there. So, because it, it, it was a weird time of the day, it was like four thirty, and I was walking home, and there were all these bars opening up, and you know, I sort of I conflated, you know, sure. the desperation of trying to get it. What if I really needed this job, and what if I was also like a recovering alcoholic, you know, mm -hmm. and like, so that that sort of started to write itself, and that's what that ended up being about. I want to say the songs I'm, were amazing. The, the two songs that you out. played were great. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have a beautiful voice. Like a, I know Chuck. Chuck was even uh, a previous guest. Uh, Chuck, that's that's how, what we call him here. Uh, Chuck was uh, even uh, asking about some of your influences and and some of the folks that inspired you to to be and to do what you, what you do. And if you could share some of that here with the the rest of us. What. Um... I'm usually pretty bad at answering that question. Chuck knows, um, but uh, one 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 influence that, former guest Chuck one, one influence lately that's uh, that's been uh, 
that's been sort of like I, I've been aware of his influence, even though I didn't. You know, I just thought I was kind of into him. I didn't know I was kind of copping his stuff as George Jones. I don't know if oh, you can really? hear that. The possum. Like, yeah, yeah, the possum. I, 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 I sometimes open my set with an acapella version of uh, She Thinks I Still Care. Oh, yeah. Wow. And wow, I, yeah. And I, 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 I opened for someone who immediately was like, hey, what was that first song you did? Was that a Celtic song? Are you Irish? And I was like, no, that's George Whoa. Jones. And I, I, I couldn't make the connections. And that's not the first time someone's been like, are you, you've got like an Irish thing going on. I do hear and that. I, okay. Yeah. I, but I, but in terms, but I, it, it, so it like that must be going on subliminally or something because when I listen to George Jones, I'm just jaw to the floor. I'm not like I can do that, I'm not at all. You know, I'm just sure. But maybe there's something about. I think there might be a way I twist vowels that I might be subconsciously getting something from him or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, he's just he's ridiculous. I oh would I would love to, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the process of someone writing a song for George Jones and saying, here's how the vocal line goes. Because it, it has to be the case that George Jones goes, oh, no, I'm going to jump an octave over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the craziest, he does mm-hmm. the craziest turns in his songs. And, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he wrote any of them. Uh, did he? I think, he, I think it was just, there was just other people. Anyway, so no comment because I'm not sure, and I don't want to say it. And have yeah, it. I would. Have. I don't want to look stupid on the thing. Anyway, so I'm 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 sort of subliminally claiming George Jones as an influence. I wanted to um, ask you about the Zapruder point moniker. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, I came up with that when I was twenty uh, something. So unfortunately, the the real what's behind it is fairly pretentious. Um, but I'll give it to you anyway. Uh, the I was in a band. With my twin brother, as I mentioned earlier, and I, I started to record songs by myself on a four-track machine, and I didn't know what to call those songs, so <clears throat> I came up with Zapruder Point because at the time my thinking was, I, wrote, I had all these songs that I thought were incomplete. I was so used, to, I literally from the time I'd been writing songs, it was for a band, and you know they had to be rocking and all this kind of stuff, and then when I would write these songs for myself, they seemed sketch-like or totally incomplete. But when I put them to tape, when I recorded them, they seemed to be somehow, if I could play them back, they sounded legit. Oh, that's a complete song. That counts. So that JFK movie was around and, you know, uh, ah. I, the, the phrase Zapruder Point just sounded cool to me because it's a Zapruder Point and, you know, Zapruder films. Um, but... I actually also I thought well that's sort of like Abraham Zapruder like what's momentous about <laughs> I had the if what the pretentious part is that I would conflate like the momentousness of that recording with my recording you know songs on a four track machine so that's that's where it was wow. I would like to say it just sounds cool and it got it. that sounds good to me yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you like to uh, share any upcoming performances with us? Um, so at the end of June, I'm playing at uh, Urban Artifact, the the, uh, the last Friday in June, which I think is the 26th. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. And where can uh, we find out more about you? Um, ZapruderPoint.com or ZapruderPoint.BandCamp.com, either one, that'll work. I'm on Facebook as Dan Zapruder Phillips and... Uh, I'm also on Instagram as Zapruder Point. Uh, well, Dan, uh, Zapruder Point, would you mind performing uh, one more song for Not us Not at here? all. That'd be awesome. What's this uh, third song going to be about? Um, this is called The Sprint, and it's about... Uh, it's actually on my new EP called Stars and Specs, and uh, it's about a... Um, it's about this guy driving his kid to 
college and then he's thinking about something that happened years ago where um, he accidentally hurt his son and uh, he's just sort of flashing back on that and that how that might have impacted their relationship or not in the years since. Well, that sounds heavy. The first two songs, the really complex, yeah, really cool lyrics and and the songwriting. I was really impressed. Not yeah, that anybody, yeah. but just sure. Yeah, thought thought it was really cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I try to. I don't know. I think lately it's been this thing where I'm like, I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a short story writer or a fiction writer, and like I feel like in the last few years I've been like trying to jam short stories into songs mm-hmm. and sort of get both goals, you know, get get my my younger dreams to come true by turning songs into short mm-hmm. stories. You know, so yeah. I always hate assigning like, oh, you sound like this, or it reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. That's all we have, though. You know, so I'm so I'm so. not going going to. Yeah. But if I was going to, I'd be, I'd, I would do. I would say something like Bonnie Prince Billy or Sufjan Stevens or things like that. Wow. Will Oldham, that kind of feel. Yeah. Um, Sam Baker, kind of Billy Bragg. Little Sam Billy Bragg. Baker. Some big names being tossed yeah. around. Here. I mean, just in the first two songs I heard, the rest could, you could stink it up and I could take all that back. <laughs> no, no, I, no. <laughs> I'm no, just I, kidding. I'm just kidding. The Oldham thing is very flattering. I only have one of his records. Um, but the Billy Bragg thing, I actually, I. Uh, I did an impersonation of Billy Bragg. I used to play electric, and so there was this one cover-up kind of event. The cover-up, anyway, an evening where like people do, you know, people act like other, and usually it's whole bands. And I was like, I could open okay. up and be Billy Bragg, you know. And I, oh, it's great. Yeah, I did all right. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I toyed with the accent for like maybe one and a half rehearsals, and I and I had to email the guy and be like, I'm not going to do the accent though. Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> so, it was a lot of fun though. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Uh, Dan Phillips, uh, a.k.a. Zapruder Point, performing here, Lost on the River. We're going to hear The Sprint. Buzz of your headphones is enough to let us know least you're still alive back there As your mother spots the signs I just keep between the lines Till your campus nearly shines For you, for you Once in our front yard, I sprained your left forearm when I pulled you back too hard, too hard. You've been gone in for the street, and the look you gave to me, well, I still feel it burning. If only I had not. Been so afraid If only you had not Sprinted away Sprinted away We'll catch you saddled And you wave goodbye And 
already looks thin too thin If only I had not been so Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us for episode 11, Lost on the River podcast, recorded here at the historic Herzog Studio Space. I'd like to thank our guests, Dan Phillips, a.k.a. Zapruder Point, performing, and Chuck Bird and Betsy Young from the Jockey Club Memorial group promoting next weekend's memorial events uh, here at Herzog Space and the Southgate House. I'd also like to uh, extend a very big thanks to our sponsors, the Thunderdome Restaurant Group, bringing you favorites like the Eagle Maplewood Kitchen and Bar, Kruger's, and Bakersfield. Also, thank you to Otto's Covington and Eli's Barbecue, the Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. Thanks to our engineer, Clint Stevenson, getting things set up uh, for us here uh, tonight, and our producer, Matt Spaulding. Our intro and outro music by the all-seeing eyes. Thank you once again. We'll see you next time for episode 12. Do we need air or not? Yeah, I think we, I think we probably do. He's well, nice. He's nice, nice to have around. He's nice to have around. He doesn't ever bring any biscuit. All right, that's a wrap. Okay, that's good. Have fun editing that.